Well, good morning, church. My name is Trevor Miller, and I'm one of the pastors here at Mount Horeb, and it's an honor at the beginning of this new year to be able to spend a little time unpacking scripture with you. Uh, We've been in a sermon series called The Unhurried Life, and one of the things I love about preaching early in the year is that oftentimes we are more open to change and transformation. We're more willing to work with God because we want to see something new happen within our life. So my prayer this morning is that we would have that kind of understanding, that kind of partnership with Him as He does His work. Now, how many of you, maybe like me, at the end of 2021, we thought to ourselves, this, this year has been so busy. I mean, when 2022 finally comes around, we're going to slow things down a bit. Like, we're going we're gonna to kind of mellow out just a tad, only to find out that all the hopes and dreams of that kind of life is not actually taking place. That this year is just as busy as the last year. Um, as we've started this Unhurried Life sermon series, it's for this very reason. Because we begin with this conviction that, that God's intention for his creation was never for us or for it to exist in a busy, demanding, preoccupied, hectic, and exhausted kind of living. Rather, he has created everything with a, a cadence and a rhythm of sorts that would give way to healthy living and, and a beautiful life and conducive for uh, the life that he wants for us. But too often, we find ourselves out of step with God. And there's one word that results, and the word is very simply this, hurry. Uh, Our life oftentimes looks like this. You know, there's a lot of things that we do each and every day, a lot of things that we care about. Some things are a priority. Some things just kind of find their way in, whether it's travel baseball or it's work, maybe relationships, family, COVID, of course, has followed us into this new year, or maybe it's social media. And what it ends up looking like is kind of like this. We try to just keep all the things in the air as much as we possibly can. And the longer we can keep them in the air, then the better things go. But that is the hurried life. Because all these things demand our attention always. None of it ever really falls away until it all falls to the floor. And so what I want to talk about today is what does it look like us for us to uh, get away from the busyness and the hurry that too often crushes our souls. There are many too many people I know who carry around busyness and hurry like a badge of honor. We walk around saying things like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just so busy. I've, just, I've got so much going on. And somehow that should translate into the fact that, that we either have a lot of money or very successful or whatever it might be. And let's be clear, this is not something to brag about. Living the busy and hurried life is actually the thing that for a lot of us, it's causing us to die this slow death. It's not something to brag about, it's something to be aware of and something to allow God to work within us. Here's a quick checklist that if you're like me, you might recognize you're living the hurried life. First, do you find yourself constantly multitasking? Check. Uh, Perhaps have you uh, been too busy and in so doing you have found it hard to focus on and enjoy the moment that you're in? Check. Uh, Do you feel underlying guilt most days? Check. And when you look at your calendar, do you only see things that you don't want to do? Check. If you could check any one of those or say yes to any one of those, then perhaps you're living the hurried life and not the life that God wants for you. Now to be clear this morning, this sermon that I'm preaching today is a sermon that I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself first and foremost because I am someone who has a very hard time turning the engine off from time to time, relaxing just a little bit. And so for me, this is something that I want God to work with in my life. I want to experience the unhurried life. I know it's not an easy thing to do. The first thing to recognize is that oftentimes there are different levels of hurry that affect us. For some of us, if you're a parent of a toddler here watching this morning, then you know tired. You know physical tired. You you know mom, dad tired. And what you need is maybe just a long, uninterrupted nap. 
But for some of us also, a different kind of hurry that we feel, maybe an emotional hurry, an emotional tiredness that comes when we experience sadness or disappointment or frustration, that affects us too. But there's also another level of hurry that I would call like a spiritual wear out, a tiredness of the soul. And this is really what I want to talk to this morning because I believe a tiredness of the soul is one of the most dangerous places that we can find ourselves in this new year. These levels of hurry are are treacherous places for us to live. One of my favorite authors, a guy named Parker Palmer, wrote a really great book called A Hidden Wholeness. If you're looking for a book for the new year, this is a good one to start with. He tells a story about farmers in the Midwest who would prepare for blizzards by tying ropes from the back of their house to their barns. That way, when the blizzard would come in, it would do so quickly and ferociously and dangerously. Often, farmers couldn't see their hands in front of their face. So if they didn't have these ropes that were tied to the back of the house to the barn to go out to feed the animals and take care of those things that need to be taken care of, they might walk out into the backyard and, and not be able to find their way back to the house, even though it's right there. There are actual accounts of farmers who froze to death in their own backyards because they became disoriented and they wandered in circles. Without these ropes fixed in these places, if we lose grip of them, then they couldn't find their way safely back to their house. And the truth is that we live in a blizzard today. And maybe on Sunday, maybe it actually is a blizzard today. I'm not even really sure. But if we live a life that is a blizzard, it's a flurry of obligation and expectation and demands. And some of these blizzards begin because we take on too much responsibility on ourselves. But some of these blizzards begin because of someone else's irresponsibility that has fallen to us. And some of these blizzards begin because we don't know how to find value apart from what we create and we accomplish. And so we stay busy and we stay hurried. And it's treacherous because hurry is the headwaters of temptation. Hurry is the genesis of anxiety. And hurry is the origin of frustration. So the work, the tasks, the hobbies, the recreation, these things are not the problem. The problem is having no rope to keep ourselves from getting lost in the middle of it. We have to rediscover the rhythm and the cadence that God has created us for, like Chad talked about last weekend. Now, to be clear, there are differing reasons for this hurried life that we experience. Sometimes we live hurried and busy because we say yes to too many things. That's very easy to do. We, we just pile it on, yes, yes to everything. But also what I really want to address this morning is that sometimes we live the hurried life because we don't say yes to anything. When we say yes to everything, we push ourselves past the margin. We leave no room for rest or restoration, and eventually we burn out. But when we say yes to nothing, we end up living a lackadaisical life, and we ignore responsibilities. Responsibilities, whether they are family, career, marriage, friendships, spiritual health, they get pushed to the back burner. They get pushed until tomorrow, and then tomorrow, and then tomorrow, and we never take care of them. And now our hurried nature is not something that we have chosen, but it's something that has chosen us. When we say yes to nothing, oftentimes this is where we find ourselves. There has to be a sweet spot that we can discover between doing too much and also doing too little. The key is moving from a reactive life to what I would call a proactive life. A proactive life. The scriptures actually speak to the unhurried life a lot. And I think it's because it's something that God really cares about. It's close to his heart. So toward the end of Jesus' ministry in Matthew 25, he actually tells a story that can help be a rope for us to make sure that we don't find ourselves lost, that we don't get disoriented, and that we don't find ourselves lost in the blizzard of things to do. 
Jesus is speaking to his followers using a parable, which is a story in the Bible that illustrates some kind of timeless truth. And here's what he says in Matthew 25, verse 1 through 5. Here's the story he begins to tell. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who take their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take enough oil with them. But the wise, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and they fell asleep. And so in this passage, there's a very common imagery that's being used by Jesus about the kingdom of God to illustrate what it's like when God comes to earth. The church is often used, uh, the, the church often uses this language in the New Testament as well, talking about uh, the kingdom of God by talking about the bride of Christ, which would be you and me and the church as a whole. And Jesus, who's oftentimes termed the bridegroom. Now throughout the New Testament, authors grab a hold of this language and use it to illustrate really important lessons. The lesson Jesus, though, is wanting his followers to hear is that there is a day that is coming where God will come to set up his final rule and reign, known as the kingdom of God. And there are provisions and there are proactive steps that need to be taken now in order to be ready for then. To really understand this parable, we have to understand the way of an ancient Near Eastern wedding, the way it would take place. Because it was customary for the groom and his closest friends on the day of the wedding to travel throughout the night from the groom's house to the bride's house. And she would be attended there by all of her bridesmaids. Everyone in the procession was expected to have a lamp with oil that would be burning as they would travel through the night. And those lamps would actually guide the bridegroom into the home of where the bride would be. So there are 10 different bridesmaids that are talked about within the story. Jesus characterizes the 10 in two different categories. Five he calls foolish, and five he calls wise. You see, the first five of these virgins, these bridesmaids who are waiting for the groom, they take their lamps and their oil, but they don't take extra oil with them. But the last five, they take enough extra oil to make sure that when the bridegroom comes, even if it's late into the night, they're prepared for it. The Bible says they fall asleep. You see, a proactive person is someone who anticipates what's coming in the future and takes necessary steps to prepare themselves for that future. But a reactive person is someone who is so consumed by today, they don't spend time thinking about tomorrow. So these ten women, they are awakened in the night in the parable that Jesus tells. In verse 6, it says this, At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps have gone out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the, bridegroom's, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready to went with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Verse 11. Later, the others also came back, the ones who had to hurry to find more oil. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Verse 13, therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So Jesus tells the story for a very specific reason. They're awakened at the news the bridegroom has come. As they scramble to light their lamps once again, uh, there are five women who neglected to bring enough oil for late into the night. They want to borrow from the five women who were prepared. But they say, we can't. We don't know if there's enough oil for both of us. Go and buy some and then come back as quickly as you can. And so in a hurry, of course, the five foolish bridesmaids go to find more oil. But upon their return, they find out the door has been closed to the wedding banquet 
and they're late now because they didn't prepare at the time that they should have. You see, we cannot miss, we can miss out on the unhurried life for various reasons. Sometimes we find ourselves hurried because we take too much on, but also sometimes it's because we don't take enough on. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, said it this way. He said, I am always in haste, but I am never in a hurry. I'm always in haste, but I'm never in a hurry. You see, there's a tension within the story that has to be acknowledged. Jesus is telling this story because there is an important event that is looming on the horizon. It is coming soon. We don't know the precise date or time. It is unknown. And Jesus clearly wants to remind his audience that they should not sleep on this reality. They must be proactive. They need to have their lives in order. They need to get down to business. But he wants them to do so right now at the appropriate time so that they don't find themselves scrambling in the end and hurried. What a great thing to be said about us as followers of Jesus, that we live a life with certain motivations about things that are really important to us. There's work to be done within ourselves. There's work to be done with our families. There's work to be done within our churches, within our communities. And it's time sensitive. We don't know how much time we have. We should live with a measure of haste, like Wesley said. And if we do so, if we meet our responsibilities head on when we should, then like Wesley, we will never be in a hurry. There's a proactive principle that I've found to be really helpful in my life because I don't like to feel hurried. I don't like to feel that nagging sense there's something that's been left undone. And so I try each and every day to eat the frog first. Now, I should probably explain what that means. Um, Mark Twain once said this, eat a frog first thing in the morning and nothing worse will happen to you the rest of the day. That's a pretty safe statement. Eat a frog in the morning, and it's safe to say you will not do anything worse the rest of the day. I would argue that one of the reasons we find ourselves so hurried in our lives is not because we're doing too much, but it's because we are putting off the things that we don't want to do. We put them off day after day, and eventually we are covered up. Our our procrastination catches up with us. So each morning, start with the thing that you want to do the least. Do it first. Make that phone call. Return that thing. Wash the laundry, fill the dishwasher, sit down with your Bible in a quiet spot, get on the treadmill, write that email, call that counselor. That thing that you want to do the least, that should be first in priority. And if you can meet those responsibilities first, you won't find yourself so hurried in the end. See, in the end, here's what I've found to be true in my life. Avoiding responsibility is just premeditated anxiety. Let me say that one more time for the people in the back. Avoiding responsibility is just premeditated anxiety. I've known many people in my life, people in my family, people that I work with, people that um, are very close to me, and oftentimes even myself. I have found that there are times where I dread doing the hard thing. And because I dread doing it, I put it off at all costs. Some of those most anxious moments of my life has been because I've refused to eat the frog first. It's kind of like this weekend. I've known since Thanksgiving that I needed to winterize my camper and the boat that we inherited from my, um, my father-in-law when he passed away. Both have been in my yard. Both have needed to be taken care of because it's going to be getting cold. My dad has warned me weekly, make sure that you winterize these things. Every time I leave my driveway, I look at them and I think to myself, I need to winterize these things. But for whatever reason, I've put it off over and over and over again. Had other things to do. It was too late at night. 
too cold outside, you name it. I had to go buy antifreeze. All the reasons why I shouldn't do it. But as you know, this cold snap has suddenly come upon us. So one night this past week, I decided I no longer had the luxury of waiting anymore. I now had to do something about it. So I had to leave my house late at night, find the antifreeze, make it back, make sure that I winterize all the things in the middle of the night when it was very, very cold. And I could have done this so much earlier and made sure I didn't feel the anxiety and the hurry that I did at the time. You see, the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament speaks to the proactive life often as well. Proverbs 20 verse 4 says it this way. It says, Sluggards do not plow in season. So at harvest time, they look, but they find nothing. Sluggards don't plow in season, so when harvest time comes, there's nothing to be found. Nothing has grown. The sluggard comes from the Hebrew word that literally means this, the idle one or the slothful one. And if I've offended anybody by those words because it got a little bit too close, welcome to the club. I'm oftentimes a sluggard as well. And this person who doesn't plow when he should in season and prepare the fields for planting, that means there, there is eventually no harvest. Not because there was more important things for him to do, but because he kept putting it off. But come harvest time, he has nothing to show for it. Proverbs, also in chapter 26, verse 14, speaks of the same sluggard by saying this. Verse 16, 14. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard, or the slothful one, the idle one, turns on the bed. The same sluggard, the one who didn't plow the field, the one who didn't prepare, is the same one who is now tossing in his bed like a door on its hinges. Why does he toss in his bed? Here's why. He has a hurried heart. All the things that he didn't get to, all the things that he did not proactively go after, those things are now causing him to lose sleep and to lose rest. The idle person, the slothful one. You see, when we allow God to quicken our hearts to live proactive lives, then we have the opportunity to shape the circumstances around us by his help, rather than those circumstances shaping us. When we, when we are so hurried by things left undone, let's be honest, we get snappy with our kids, we ghost our friends, we neglect our spouses, we lose touch with God, and we become strangers to ourselves. When we live as the sluggard, we have to be willing to make the decision today before the decision has to be made. We have to be willing to have the conviction today before we're challenged on this particular thing. We have to be confident of our worth today before we're questioned about it. But my wife and I talk about this often, actually. You see, we know the kind of marriage that we want to have one day. We know what we want it to look like. We know the kind of life that we want for our kids one day. We know what we want it to look like. We know the kind of relationship with God that we want to have one day. But here's the truth. You don't stumble into any of these. We don't just wake up one day with a deeply committed love for one another. Our kids don't just make it to college one day and know without a shadow of a doubt that they're loved by us without us telling them, being proactive about it. And we don't end up with the relationship, the deep faith and intimacy with Jesus that we really, really want without taking proactive steps today, right now. These things will never happen by accident. We can't just hope for them. And if we want a future like that, then the decisions we make today have to be conducive for that. So, Here's my encouragement for you. Do something today that your future self will thank you for. Maybe it's even something hard. Do something today that your future self will thank you for. Five years from now, what is something that you will have wished that you had done? 
So what are the decisions that you've been putting off? What are the responsibilities that you've been neglecting? What are the priorities that find themselves at the end of the list when they should be at the top of the list? It makes me wonder, what were the five virgins, the five bridesmaids doing, going after, instead of getting the oil they needed for the middle of the night? So they missed the wedding banquet. I mean, were they getting their nails done too long? Were they having too long of a lunch? Was the oil store too inconvenient to go to? But because they didn't do the work they had to then, they missed out on what was to come. You see, I'm afraid that the hurried life that many of us lead is simply because we have so filled our lives with things, and some of those things even good things, that we've not left any room for the really great things. What I mean is this, maybe there's so much travel baseball that church doesn't seem to fit anymore. There, there are so many subscriptions that we pay for. There's no longer margin to be generous with people. There's so much me time. There's no longer time for we time. And we've neglected date night for years, it seems. We have said maybe yes to so many good things that we have missed out on the really great things. Filmmaker Walt Disney was known for chopping anything from his movies that did not fit within the script and make the story's progress and pace the way he wanted it to go. Ward Kimball would tell you and attest to that. You see, Ward Kimball was one of the animators for Snow White. And he recalls that he was working on a, on a portion of the movie. 240 days he worked on a four and a half minute segment within the movie where the dwarves make soup for Snow White. And in making the soup, the whole kitchen is almost destroyed. Now, Walt Disney, after he'd worked on this, he thought that part of the film was really funny, but he also thought that it disrupted the flow of the film the cadence, the rhythm, and so he cut it from the picture. You see, in the editing room of Walt Disney Studios, the question is never, is it good? The question is, is it the best? The question is never, is this good? The question is, is this great? You see, Snow White was not a good movie. Snow White was a great movie because Walt Disney set priorities and he kept them. Our lives of hurry or our lives of rest are largely made up of the decisions that we make, the things that we decide to allow to remain in our life, and the things that we decide to eliminate ruthlessly. This morning, I want to introduce two different proactive steps that must be taken today to ensure that you experience the unhurried life tomorrow. The first one is this. The first step is making sure that your future is secured, that your future is secured. Here's the hard reality for every single one of us today. We are all going to die. In the end, our lives will all expire. It's a future reality that demands like a present response. This life that we live will not be the end though. The story of the ten virgins, these, these people within the story of Matthew 25 is really a story about everything where life is headed. When our life comes to an end, will we have responded to the invitation that is given to us to this banquet, to this party, to be with Jesus forever? When your life comes to an end, will you have responded to this invitation? Will you have confessed your brokenness and received his forgiveness, his restoration? This is not something to push off until tomorrow because we are never promised tomorrow. Is our future secure? As the scriptures say this way, this today is the day of salvation. The single greatest thing that we can do, I would argue, to eliminate the existential hurry that may befall us is to make sure that we have placed our faith, our hope, and our trust in the resurrected Jesus Christ. 
If we know how the end goes, it causes us to have much less hurry in the life as we live it. You see, in the end, 100 years from now, the only thing that will matter will be someone's relationship with God. Is our, is our end, our future, secured? The second proactive step that must be taken today is this, making sure that our present is purposed. If you were to take an account of the way you have lived your past day, past week, past month, past year, are the things that have taken your time, your energy, your affection, your attention, the things that are most important in life? Or are they the kinds of things that result in a full life, a beautiful life? Or has it simply been scrolling on social media, climbing the corporate ladder, binge-watching Netflix, Ubering children from sports field to sports field? Has that dominated your days? The truth is, it can be overwhelming in the moment to reprioritize. If you find yourself saying, I'm very hurried right now, it's already too late. To be able to eliminate hurry, you must first sit down intentionally. And here's what I would say to do. Make a priority list. First, make a list of priorities that your life now reflects. What does your life actually look like based upon how you're living? Are the things at the top of the list the things that should be at the top of the list? Are the things at the bottom of the list the things that should be at the bottom of the list? Does it look like the way God would want to prioritize your life? Then, make another list. This list is how you would like your life to look. This list is about what God would want for you. The kind of cadence, the kind of rhythm, the priorities that God would want for a purpose life for you. So that you do the things that matter most. You see, some of us, we are so hurried because we do so many things. We're on this side of the spectrum. But some of us this morning, we do so little. We procrastinate so much that hurry simply finds us. And either way, it's not what God wants for us. There's a rhythm and a cadence for this life that we are to live into. I want you to know that this is not something that you can do on your own. All the things that we talk about during this sermon series is not something that you can just will yourself into, but instead, this is about a willful submission and surrender to God. God, you get to prioritize my life. God, you get to be the one who calls the shots. You show me where to cut. You show me where to add. And I want to invite you this morning to make that decision today. Would you pray with me? God, we confess to you this morning that too often we find ourselves living a life of hurry, a life of busyness that takes away from the things that are most important. Sometimes it's because we've said yes to too many things, but sometimes, God, it's because we, we don't say yes to anything. We just keep waiting. We procrastinate. We push things off to the last minute, to tomorrow, to tomorrow, to tomorrow, until eventually we don't have the luxury of doing it anymore. And it causes us to have an anxious and hurried spirit. So this morning, God, I pray that you would um, point out the places in our life, the places in our hearts where we are so hurried that you would like us to submit to you. I pray, God, you would help us to see the priority list. Help us to recognize the places where we have gone wrong. And I pray, God, you help us to reprioritize in such a way that you are number one. And the things that are most important are at the top. Father, help us to say no to the things we should say no to. Help us say yes to the things we should say yes to. We entrust it into your hands today and we submit our lives to you. We want to experience the unhurried life. And it comes from a partnership with you. And it's in your name that we pray. And everyone said, 
Amen.